Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another lovely day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Alex Hamilton, co-founder of DocTap GP. Alex, hello. Hello, Matthew. Thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, We might as well dive straight in. What is your personal leadership style? Oh, my personal leadership style is, um, I don't think it's any one thing in particular. I've had a fairly, uh, possibly fairly well-trodden path into uh, into business, having served in the army for four years beforehand, uh, which uh, as as an officer in the infantry, you are um, you're imbued with uh, with various um, various leadership styles, mm-hmm. and you you somehow develop your own as you go along. Um, and clearly, a military leadership style isn't um, isn't something that you can copy and paste into a business uh, a business context. But it's certainly given me given me a very good start. And um, I, 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 my personal leadership style, I think. Um, well, if you speak to me, you'll get one answer. If you speak to my colleagues, you'll get a very different one. <laughs> um, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully quite friendly, um, and hopefully one that's quite conducive to to, to a productive work environment. How do you ensure that productive work environment? Um, I think communication is pretty, pretty, pretty high on the list of that one. I think that people need to know what is expected of them, um, and obviously, sometimes they need to they need to know when um, when they haven't necessarily uh, fulfilled what is expected of them. But I think generally, um, gen- generally fostering a culture of people being able to ask questions and explain to each other when they when they don't know the answer to something that they, they, they can they, they can come and speak to anyone um, and not be afraid of um, being made to feel stupid or um, or anything else and so I think that's pretty pretty key um, I think also setting the conditions for um, for for productivity I mean it's pretty pretty broad um, pretty broad area but if you if, as long as you uh, distill the, the core functions of the business down to simple tasks for your team, uh, and I think that is a pretty key role for a, for a leader. Um, then, then uh, provided you give them the resources to do those tasks, they should be able to do them. So it's all about making something wrong. So it's all about making your people comfortable. Right? It's absolutely about making them comfortable. Yeah, obviously, you've got to select good people. We've got a fantastic team at Doctap, um, which I'm immensely proud of. Um, and, uh, and I really enjoy working with them. And you've had quite rapid growth uh, for for a new business, haven't you? How is it uh, that you're able to sustain such growth uh, with a productive workforce? Well, I think one of the parts of leadership that I enjoy is delegation, um, and uh, it's certainly not something that came naturally to me. Um, it's something that you really have to force yourself to do. Mm-hmm. But um, it's so obvious, really, if you take a step back and look, that the more you delegate, the more you can get done. Um, and um, I think that's been pretty key. Uh, it's about trusting your colleagues, people who work with you. Um, and um, we've, I think the other part of, of that is inspiring leadership um, from other members of the team at DocTap. We, we very much recruit from within for senior jobs uh, as, as, as much as possible, and um, what that you know, the obvious result of that is that 
people in the company become, uh, you know, that they have a, a sense of responsibility, uh, that they're given leadership roles. And um, so far, so far, they do them very well. It seems that would also foster a lot of loyalty amongst your staff. Yes, uh, well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. They're, um, they're, they're great fun um, to work with, and um, so I hope that um, I hope that they feel the same about uh, about me and uh, working with Doctor. Well, why don't we uh, take a step back and look back when you were first starting out your career, whether it was uh, in the service or uh, thereafter? Was there a particular leader that you looked up to that has forged the way you lead today? Oh, very good question. Um, so, I suppose in in the in the army, I was exposed to some fantastic leaders, um, and um, but both beneath me and above me. Um, and so, I learned a huge amount from them. I don't think I'm um, remotely similar to any of them, um, but I hope that I've taken some lessons from some of them. And then, actually, also currently with with Doctap, so my, my co-founder uh, Dan Faber, who probably wants maybe more value speaking to him than me, um, is uh, is an exceptional leader. Um, he has um, he's really grasped the reins um, of the of, of Doctap um, in in so many ways, and um, and is a real pleasure to, to work alongside and also also to learn from. I mean, he, he's, um, he's a very impressive human being to start with, which I think always helps. Um, but I think, um, I, I think being able to learn from somebody um, day to day is, um, is, is really useful. And watching him interact with the team and, and, uh, and motivating the team is, um, is a real pleasure. So it's really about having a mentor uh, within the workplace to be able to enable you to uh, develop your own leadership character. I would imagine. Um, well, look, I think I think that's true for it's very much true for me. It's not necessarily true for everyone. Um, I think the, the there's quite a lot of talk about ego with, with in conjunction with leadership, and I think happily at DocTap there is there is none of that. So there's no. There isn't very much sort of internal competition. We we should sort of save that for for um, other businesses. Say you had an eighteen year old who was looking to go into your field. What would your advice to them be? Um, I think uh, prepare for prepare for long hours long hours of work and uh, be prepared to be to be flexible. Uh, be prepared to to, to adjust your business model. Um, it's a it's a really hard one because you have to obviously have the stubbornness um, of uh, you, you just need you need to be able to stick with um, with your with your aims and intentions, but you need to be able to adapt when things change. And so it's a very hard one to know when you actually need to change and when you need to be stubborn. Um, so I, I guess just being flexible, um, it, it's, it's a really tough one. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> do something else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in fact, you are creating a, a good amount of flexibility. Uh, DocTap GP is really disrupting the way that people uh, seek and receive uh, medical treatment. Uh, can you touch on that a bit for me? Yeah, well, so we're, we're certainly making it easier for, um, for people. We're, I mean, we're currently only operating in London, but we're certainly making it easier for people in London to see a GP in person uh, on the same day. Um, and the, we have 14 of our GP clinics in central London. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what it means is through our online booking platform, patients can book an appointment from their desk and within 20 minutes they can be 
in the doctor's consulting room, um, which you know, typically is a 10 to 15 minute walk from the office if you work in zone one in London. Um, and then you can get whatever your, uh, your, your health concern is addressed really quickly. And so there's no waiting. Um, it, it also just means that the, um, that any sort of, um, yeah, any any concern about health, it's addressed then and there. So there's no there's no sort of um, there's no sort of added worry that's um, that can quite often uh, be the case for uh, for patients. That's absolutely fantastic, and it's fantastic that you can shorten that amount of time between the uh, initial concern and the actual consultation, because I know that weighs quite heavily on a lot of people's minds. Um, the only other thing that's weighing quite heavily on mine is that I'm quite conscious that we're nearly out of time. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but before I let you go, um, what does next 12 months have in store for DocTap? Oh, it's a very good question. Um, well, we're, we're really growing, we're continuing to grow the business in, in London. Um, and uh, we're certainly going to be adding new clinics um, slightly um, further away from you know, the central London core that we've been focusing on to date. Uh, so we'll see more clinics um, in outlying parts of London. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I hope we can we can continue to increase our uh, the numbers of patients we we see um, and, and help every day, um, and uh, hopefully grow a few more um, a few more members of staff in the in the head office team as well, um, because they they're the ones that really keep keep everything moving day to day. Well, Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and have to have you back on the podcast very soon to let us know how things are progressing at DocTap. Will do. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thank you, Alex. That was Alex Hamilton, co-founder of DocTap GP. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who do Google me and realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always 
mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence. Um, me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, well, I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved with my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time 
maybe over this trip by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you. And you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing. In, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green so mm. I, I had the, an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be I'd be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top 
quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard of somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Yes. Uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh, if you laugh If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck 
struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a play, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leading show he'd be the best example of course in, in football terms today uh, easily easily and of course but going back not that long ago Alex Ferguson is just absolutely mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time a short period of time but if you look at the 25 26 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they've they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes. No, mm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, That's a they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back. Uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it 
that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, the um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially. And that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on with, all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. It, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the... Um, uh, Getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time, and I wouldn't. And when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great and players. You- we had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly. Uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership, all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation, and I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, 
goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.